Welcome back to Comic Book Storylines. I'm Brian Sorensen, a.k.a. Bri the Comic Book Guy. This will be an exciting episode because we're going to start diving into the many crossovers in the X-Men universe that they've had over the years. This week we are going to be talking about the Extinction Agenda, a little bit of backstory for those that are not in the know of what was going on at the time in the lives of Marvel's famous mutants. Most of the X-Men team had vanished at this point for a couple of years now into a portal called the Siege Perilous. Wolverine and sidekick Jubilee were roaming around Europe and Asia with their teammate Psylocke, who was the first to re-emerge from the Siege Perilous. Uh, the characters that were missing were uh, Colossus, Rogue, and Havoc. They had all disappeared through the Siege Perilous. Psylocke did too, but she was the first one to reappear, and Wolverine ended up finding her. Storm was de-aged into a teenager body by the villain Nanny. She had her powers, but is physically 13 years old, so she doesn't have full control over them all back. Uh, while she was making her way back to the X-Men, she met a character named Gambit, this was his first appearance during this run, who followed her back to the team. Professor Xavier was in space with his love interest Lelanja with the uh, uh, aliens Shi'ar Empire. He had been gone for many years in the comic form. Uh, the original X-Men, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Iceman, Beast, and Angel, who was now going by Archangel, formed a new team called X-Factor. They worked for the government, they had government liaisons, the whole deal. The X-Men mansion was destroyed in an earlier event that I promise we're going to cover called Inferno. It's a big deal with Mr. Sinister, it involves a lot of different characters, and it's also another crossover with the X-Men storylines at the time. Uh, so the X-Men that are left, it's a very small team. Storm, like I said, had just come back, Banshee, Gambit, and the character Forge. They all lived below the surface in the X-Men's lower levels. Like, if you've seen any of the movies, then you've noticed that the X-Men have all these lower levels underground, so they turned some of it into living spaces and everything. Now, the Kid Mutant team, New Mutants, were also living there with their new leader, Cable. He had also come into the play recently in the comics as well. Now, the main character that is a bad guy in this one is called Cameron Hodge. He's a general on an island called Genosha, and this is where the most of the storyline takes place, and they've been a plague in the X-Men for years, and they will continue to be in the spotlight in X-Men storylines for years to come after this point. They have a person called the Gene Engineer, who turns mutants into mutate slaves for the island to use. And they have their sights on the X-Men because at one point they did visit the island and they rescued one of the mutates. So this is going to be part of their revenge to get back at them. This nine-parter also started to bring everyone back after several years of being apart. Uh, the hot artist creators Jim Lee and Rob Layfield at the time, this was their first crossover shot with this event as well. And it started bringing all the characters back. And we didn't know as readers at the time, but this was going to be a huge impact into the months to come for the lives of the X-Men. Now, the issues we're going to be covering this week are Uncanny X-Men 270 to 272, New Mutants 95 through 97, and X-Factor 60 through 62. As always, I'm going to be posting the issue covers on my Instagram, at Guy. And if you have anything you wanted to ask me, you can always reach out to me in my email, Guy at gmail.com. Let's get right into the extinction agenda. It starts out with X-Men, Uncanny X-Men 270. It gives us a glimpse of maybe one of the missing team members, Havoc, returning. He's on the cover, what appears to be Havoc, standing over the fallen X-Men. Now, in the issue we start out, the X-Men are with X-Factor's Jean Grey, and they're practicing in their training area called the Danger Room. If you've seen any of the movies, 
They've lightly touched on the Danger Room, but not to where the X-Men fans have really wanted to. Now they're trying to gauge Storm's powers. She's back as a kid, but they're trying to see how much power she has because she wants to take active leadership role. But she's a teenager, so they're trying to just see what she can do. Now, while that's going on, Cable and his new mutant team bust in and demand to be training since it's their home, and it's been their home for a while, and the X-Men just sort of came back and took over. Now, Cable is like in the movie Deadpool 2. He's a pretty miserable guy and grumpy guy. He just wants to do what he needs to do, and he's the leader of the team at this time instead of just, like, there. They wait for Jean Grey to leave with Storm, and the new mutants go outside, and they're training and everything like that. Now, Jean and Storm go off and have lunch to catch up with each other. They've been apart for several years, and they were best friends while they were both in the X-Men. But little did they know they were being spied upon by Genosian military uh, that's called the Magistrates at this time. And they're nearby, and they're waiting to attack. They wait for Jean to leave. Now, Storm is outside with the New Mutants, and they're you know being kids out there. And they're outside the mansion ruins, and the Magistrates start attacking. Now, the adults, Cable, Forge, Banshee, and the young kid, Cannonball, plus Gambit, are trapped underground because they didn't know what was going on. Now, Havoc's powers fuse the access hatch that helps keep them, like, underground. He fused it so they can't get out to try and help him. So you're trying to figure out, wow, that character, it's got to be Havoc. It's got his same powers and everything. So at the end of the issue, it ends up uh, the Genosian military takes Storm, Wolfsbane, who's Rain uh, Rain Sinclair, Richter and Boom Boom, her, her name is Tabitha, and the techno-organic Warlock, and they teleport them to Genosha. But right before the battle's over, Storm recognizes Havoc because he's knocked unconscious, but he doesn't remember who he is. Uh, next issue up is New Mutants 95. It shows the captured kids led to Cameron Hodge. He's the main bad guy, as I had talked about earlier. He, originally, Hodge was a normal human who was uh, working with the government when he formed X-Factor. But it ends up turning out that he was trying to just, like, trap the X-Factor at the time. And there's a couple issues where he gets found out, and he kind of disappears for a while. But it turns out he's a techno-organic being with immense power, and he helped take over the current regime that's in charge of the island nation of Genosha. Now, Hodge reveals he needs the techno-organic warlock who's kind of like this machine being he needs his body to help amplify his own body to finish his master plans that he has what he wants to do with earth uh he turns all the captured mutants into his slaves so he's like trying to turn them one by one into his slaves to get back at him meanwhile the x-men called the original x-men who's called x-factor to help him find the kids and go after him now, do you shoot back to Genosha? Rain tries to free Warlock before he can be fused with Hodge, but mistakenly cuts the transference before it could be reversed. Warlock's body fades into dust, and Hodge can't see his body evolve into his true form. So he rages at this point about it, and Rain is now distraught because her teammate that she's known for years just completely turned to dust. Now, Genosha puts out a TV broadcast that everybody sees, including the X-Men and X-Factor, saying that the kids were found guilty of terrorism on the island of Genosha, their techno-organic companion was killed, and they will be executed with their cr- for their crimes. Now, six X-Factor works for the government. They were requested to meet with the president and state officials to discuss their options, and the X-Men go with them. And that turns into X-Factor 60. Hodge is having a conversation with the current president of Genosha at the time. She knows he's a techno-organic being and everything, and he's, he's a bit nutty. 
He's holding a cutout of a human body in a suit so he can do his announcements for the Genosian people because they don't know of what he's like. And yeah, they think he's a normal human, but he's really not. The president and the gene engineer know who he really is. So the captured mutants, Storm, Richter, and Boom Boom, escape the Genosian Citadel and are on the run. They get away from Hodge and they manage to get outside. Now Hodge and the president have this dialogue that shows they want the world to take them seriously as a power nation and will do whatever it takes to do it. So they need to go after these mutants and capture them to do it and show that they mean business. Hodge shows he's setting his sights on X-Factor and specifically Archangel, who he hates more for trying to help stop him in the earlier X-Factor issues. Uh, news reporters get wind of what's going on, and they're trying to figure out if the Genosian president is telling the truth about what's going on and tries to find some of the kids' parents, Boom Boom and Richter's families, to see what's going on. And frustrations start rising in the X-team-ups. They don't they at this point in the comics they haven't really worked much together. The two X-Men titles, X-Factor and Uncanny X-Men, and even New Mutants for that matter, have kind of stayed separate at this point. They hadn't really worked well together at this point. Uh, so they're all just trying to get to know each other and they're venting over the kids being captured and everything. Uh, Cannonball, who's on the New Mutants and one of the other team members, Sunspot, uh, they're watching TV as they see news reporters. They find their teammate Boom Boom's dad, Tabitha's dad, who she's been estranged from for years. He's an alcoholic. He's he's just like totally messed up. And he gives her a bad rap and makes it like she really is a terrorist. So they get really ticked off about this. Now, the rest of the team has gone to Washington, D.C., and this main character in the X-Men titles is a human character named Valerie Cooper. She's a government mutant liaison. She works with X-Factor, and she will be working with the rest of the X-Men teams for years to come in the comics. Uh, they, uh, she's trying to figure out what's going on, and she explains to all the X-Men and mutants in general are to blame for the rescue of a mutate from Genosha in the earlier X-Men issues, and they're trying to get their revenge. They want her return, and they want to humiliate everybody that wears an X-Men logo or even the X uniform or whatever. And it just encompasses mutants in general. X-Men and X-Factor defy the government and go to Genosha anyway. They told Valerie that the government can disavow what happened because they're not officially doing anything with the government at this time. Now, Hodge, he's techno-organic. He has control of all these machines and everything. So he sees that the teams are on their way, and he sets up an ambush with uh, Havoc, who's mind-wiped, leading the assault. He still doesn't know who he is. There's a big fight that ensues, but Cyclops notices his brother almost right away and starts to go after him. Now, it should be noted that in the comics, Havoc's and Cyclops' powers cancel each other out. They found this early on in the X-Men, like way back in the late 60s. Uh, they cancel each other out. They don't. They can't hurt each other with their powers. So they, you find out it really is Havoc when their, pants, their powers cancel each other out. So it's definitely Havoc. Cyclops tries to wake him up. He's trying to knock some sense into him, literally. And it looks like Havoc's just getting ready to figure it all out. And this huge energy spews everywhere from their big battle. Uh, just as Havoc starts to remember, he calls for an evacuation, thinking he's being brainwashed by the X-Men, and the attacking army vanishes. Uh, Cyclops and Cable pick up the pieces after the battle and plan their next move, unknowingly being watched the whole time by Hodge. Next up is Uncanny X-Men 271. Political tension with Genosha starts to flare up as they see the United States getting ready to attack Genosha over the kidnapping of the New Mutants and Storm. They're American citizens as far as the government's concerned, so they're trying to show face and be like, hey, we mean business here. 
Now we see Richter and Boom Boom being chased by magistrates around the island, but they're rescued by the newly uh, rejuvenated Wolverine Jubilee Psylocke alliance that happened to just appear on the island. They saw what was going on. They wanted to come to the rescue. Uh, They headed to the island to help, just like X-Factor and X-Men. Now Psylocke uses her powers of telepathy to scan the minds of the kids to catch Wolverine's gang up on what's been going on so they know everything that's up there up to date. They know that the other X-Men and X-Factor are also on the island as well. They kind of split up. Jubilee goes with the kids, Boom Boom and Richter, as Wolverine and Psylocke go to attack the Big Citadel to rescue Storm. The Big Citadel is their home base, and that's where most of the action will take place in the rest of the storyline. Now, on TV, there shows a debate between the Jean Genier and a character called Moira McTaggart. She is another one of the X-Men's long-standing human allies, was a love interest of the Professor, and she is a brilliant geneticist, so she's always been there to help figure things out, and they've always gone to her. She's kind of like Beast, where she's really smart, and they go to her for advice and everything. Now, she's trying to argue for the release of Storm and the others, but doesn't make much headway. After the debate, the Jean Genier is alone at his office. When Storm, who is just busted out, tries to make sure that he can't hurt anybody anymore, she goes for, like, a kill shot. But Hodge comes in and takes her down. They take her to become a mutate, so they go right to Storm, and they try and transform her. Now, elsewhere, Wolverine and Psylocke commandeer a few Magistrate flying vehicles to try and go to the Citadel faster, and they're undercover because they're in Magistrate armor. They're almost to the Citadel when Psylocke can feel Storm's pain from the transformation. They kind of drop to the ground, and since they're dressed as Magistrates, other of their Magistrate friends, quote-unquote, come and they help them. They get them back to the Citadel. But they're quickly discovered because they see Havoc, and they both look at him, and Psylocke goes, Havoc, and then he goes, wait a minute. They're X-Men, so they start attacking. Uh, Wolverine goes after him and knocks him out, but Hodge comes in and arrives, and he takes him and Psylocke out. Now, the last page is Storm completely transformed while Wolverine and Psylocke are carried by to a prison. So they see Storm get transformed right before Hodge takes him completely down. New Mutants 96 is up next. Genosian officials broadcast a hollow projection all over the island, telling everyone two X-Men were captured and the rest should surrender. Jubilee, Richter, and Boom Boom see that, and they try and run to an aid of a mutate while they're watching this, and they're distracted. They try and help uh, get the mutate away from some magistrates. They do end up taking him down and win that little battle, and they end up taking that mutate with them because he's got a knowledge of how to get into the Citadel. Now, Cable and Cyclops' team find out Wolverine has tried to hit the Citadel, and they form a plan and split up to try and go rescue him and then, you know, go get the bad guy. They broke up into smaller teams. Now, Boom Boom and the kids try and bust Rain out of her confinement. They're trying to turn her into a, into a uh, mutate as well. So they're trying to bust her out. They make it uh, out of the Citadel and they run into Cable's team and find Rain under Hodge's spell before they can bust her out. They figure out they can't, so they try and go get help. And they find Rain at the end of the issue, right next to Hodge, and she tells the group that she now serves Hodge, and soon they will too. X-Factor 61 is up next. We see Cable's team captured. Now, Cable's team is Gambit, Psylocke, the New Mutant Sunspot, Wolverine, Jean Grey, Cable, and Forge. Now, they're led to prison cells, but they find out Rain, who walks right by them, doesn't even recognize them. She's full mutate now, and she just goes about her business while they're being checked into their cells. Uh, Cable tries to break free, but gets taken down by Hodge. It's a little battle. Cable busts out of his chains, but Hodge 
It just overpowers everybody at this point. Now, elsewhere, Cyclops' team is trying to infiltrate the Citadel. They steal some mutate uniforms to help blend in. He and uh, Iceman uh, try and sneak into the Citadel. Now, Beast equips the team with uh, shield spy tech to capture footage of everything that's been going on so they can kind of bring it back with them when they finally do rescue everybody. Now, Jean Grey, when she's led to her prison cell, she's separated from the rest of the prisoners, and she's put in Wolverine cell. They've had intel that they've had a pass before. Now, in the movies, this is the difference between the movies and the comics. In the movies, they kind of hinted that there was a little bit of a romantic tension there. But in the comics, there was a lot, a lot of romantic tension there. Uh, From Wolverine's first inception into the X-Men, even for years to to come after this event, uh, there was always this little bit of tension where, is she going to choose Cyclops? Is she going to choose Wolverine? And that kind of played back and forth. And the Genosian officials knew that. So Wolverine is hurt bad. She walks into a cell and he's bleeding. His healing factor isn't working well at this part in the comic series for about a couple years before this event, comic book-wise. He had some issues where his healing factor was trying to keep up with what his damage was, all of his injuries were. So in the comics, it kind of was a slow process for him to come back. And in this moment of weakness, they kiss, but they break it off pretty quickly. She regrets it, and they're watching on camera the whole time, so they're going to use this to their advantage if they can. She's Cyclops' girlfriend at this time, so she just says, you know what, that was a mistake, we're not going to do that again. But they still keep them both in the same cell. Now, Banshee, Archangel, and Cannonball try and take out Hodge. They kind of break free, and the president of Genosha is right there with Hodge. But things get hairy, and they all get taken down. Hodge is still like this big techno-organic being, and he just takes them all down. Cyclops, Beast, and Iceman break into the lower levels to work their way up to the, to the heroes, but they're stopped by Havoc. Now, this time, Cyclops and Havoc's fight jolts Havoc's full memory back, but he can't reveal it because Hodge steps in and helps him take down Cyclops. And if he does reveal himself, he's toast too. So at the end of the issue, he has an inner monologue little thing going on that you know he's back to normal, but he's kind of hide it to kind of help him work from the inside. Uncanny X-Men 272 is up. Uh, so everything, everyone that went to rescue Storm and the others is captured and tried for their crimes. A big TV interview in the first page of the book shows several heroes, Reed Richards, even Punisher is in there. They're trying to defend the X-Men, and even She-Hulk, who is an attorney still in this time and era in the comics, she said she's trying to apply for a visa to be their lawyer. That's kind of like the last time you see anybody else besides the X-Men in the, in the storyline. Uh, Now, the X-Men who are on trial, they're trying to say they're Americans and they shouldn't be tried. But being on the X-Men, Cable finds this out after Banshee explains it to him. They're not in any computer network. Their names, identities, everything, when they join the X-Men, it's kind of like an X-Men protocol. They erase their existence from any computer network or anything. It's like a standard X-Men ally procedure that Forge invented to kind of keep them off of the radar, so to speak. So that kind of backfires. Wolverine tries to break out really fast, but he's still weak and he gets taken down. Uh, Cable and Gambit try and help him, but they're taken down as well. It's kind of like a back and forth thing. They gain some momentum and then they lose it. Now, Havoc tries to help by securing Psylocke. Nobody still knows that he's back to normal, so he's pretending to take her away, but he's really trying to set her free. Now, he does end up setting her free and she goes off to try and help everybody else. Now, Hodge starts pitting the X-Men against each other in kind of like these cage match fights. 
Now, he's got a power dampener around the prison, so most of the X-Men don't have their powers, whatever. He makes Wolverine and Archangel fight first, since he hates both of them more than anything. Archangel was his primary nemesis in the X-Factor issues. Uh, so Cyclops can't even use his eye beams and so on and everything. Now, Jubilee and the kids outside are trying to track down and get the gene engineer who knows... Who it's starting to show that he's rethinking his whole allegiance. He sees how crazy Hodge is getting. So he's trying to figure out if he's going to help him or whatever. So the kids try and go find him. But he has this phone call with one of his assistants saying, hey, we're going to do something about this. You know, get ready for me to get there. But before he gets there, his assistant is killed. Hodge finds out and has him killed. Now, Havoc walks in on this to try and get the assistant's help. But Rain walks in with magistrates, and she's still like one of their their uh, puppets. And she says, Havoc killed him, so they now captured Havoc. Now, Psylocke, who escaped, she's in some hallways in the Citadel. But she is seen by one of the head magistrates, like the lead lady, who was kind of Havoc's girlfriend at the time. She ends up helping Psylocke as well. Start, uh, so you start to see the ch- tide changing right now in the X-Men's favor. Storm and Hodge see the X-Men teams break out. And Storm uses her powers to bring Cyclops closer towards her. But in this big flash of her powers when she contacted Cyclops and sees a big powerhouse, there's this huge electrical light show. And all of a sudden, Storm is standing there, fully powered, fully back to her normal age, and free of Hodge's control. Now, the blast also knocks out the power dampeners, and everyone's free to use theirs. And the last panel is Hodge telling them it's now going to be his turn. So, New Mutants 97, everyone is facing Hodge. Cyclops, Jean, and Storm cover everybody else's escape because some of them are injured while they take Hodge head on. They knock some walls and a roof down on top of him, so they think he's buried, but not for long because he's been a powerhouse this whole time. A little wall's not going to stop him. Now, the team goes to try and find Forge, who was separated from the rest of the team. He's an inventor and has some techno-organic components, so they thought he was going to try and be the next one that gets taken over. Uh... Jubilee and the kids are also trying to come to the rescue, and they come into a room where they find this big container that's labeled Warlock. It's her, his remains in a jar. Now, the gene engineer is in that room, too, so they start attacking him, but are stopped by Hodge. Uh, Storm breaks free Forge. She hugs and kisses him because at this point, and they had a relationship earlier in the X-Men adventures, so they're reunited after years apart in the early 200s of the comics. Uh, Havoc breaks free from his captors, too, and he tries to find the group. Rain finds the kids and attacks them because she doesn't know. I mean, she's totally mind-wiped, so she just attacks them. But the gene engineer has this little fail-safe, and he stops her by commanding her to stop. Now, everyone then meets up in this huge room to try and formulate what's going to happen next. But Storm wants to free Rain from the, the grasp of the mutates, so she uses her powers the same way and ends up making her free. Now, Hodge finds them all takes half of them down before they can do anything. And the gene engineer finally revolts by blasting Hodge with this big cannon. But Hodge escapes before any damage can be done. Everyone starts to regroup to take a last stand towards Cameron Hodge, try and get him down. X-Factor 62, this is it, the big finish for this. Everyone blitzes Hodge, they find him. Rain, she turns back into a wolf, that's her mutant power. She ends up being bigger and stronger due to the manipulations she's had recently and comes back bigger and stronger. Cable gets kind of taken out pretty quick, but the rest of X-Factor is on Hodge. Storm tries to solo round him after the, he's blasted X-Factor away, but she's kind of injured. Archangel takes her to safety, 
But Hodge ends up taking a hold of him and takes him down, grabs his wings, and like throws him down on the ground. Now, Beast, who isn't a high-powered member of the team at this point, is trying to get all their injured teammates to safety. So you see him struggling to get everybody away that's, that can't do any good. Now, Havoc ends up joining the fight. He's super pissed that they messed with his mind and made him forget everything. So he's out for blood, really. Wolverine, Cyclops, and, and Gene join him. But Hodge spikes Wolverine in the back, temporarily take him out. He's like flailing Wolverine with this techno-organic tail in the middle of the fight. And meanwhile, Jubilee and the kids try to make their way out with some of the injured. They help Beast, and they're getting everybody else out of the building. The chief magistrate has also now captured the president and asked how she can help the X-Men teams. So she's outside, she's with the president, and so are most of the other mutants, besides the main guys that are attacking. Havoc and Cyclops, they team up, and they join and use their powers, and they make a huge explosion that takes out Hodge for the most part. And they start to take him down, so they're clearly getting an advantage this time. He's down, but not out. His main body is destroyed, but since he's techno-organic, fully machined, his head and neck kind of sliver away. Cyclops shoots his head off of the roof of the Citadel, because it's a huge building. When they go over to see if they've got him, Hodge pulls Havoc over the edge, too. Now, Cyclops tries to help Havoc, but he's pulled over to side, too, so they're kind of holding on by a thread. Jean, who's on the ground, sees what's going on. She uses her powers to knock Hodge's head to the ground. His head falls right into the arms of Rain, who's still wolf form and really pissed. She tears his neck in half in his body, or what's left of his body in half. Now, once everyone's clear from the building, the character Richter uses his earthquake powers and just brings down the entire citadel to a pile of rubble. Now, before that can happen, Rain throws what's left of Hodge into the falling rubble, and boom, Hodge is gone. Now, the head magistrate goes on TV tells the world that they are setting everyone free, the government's no longer in control, They're, the magistrates are taking over. All the teams start to leave, minus Rain, who wants to stay and help rebuild Genosha. She's still feeling like she's part mutate, so she wants to stay and help out. So you don't see her for a little bit in the, in the comics after this. Uh, the issue ends with everyone over the grave of Warlock's former human companion, who he kind of bonded with when he came to Earth. His name was Doug Ramsey. He was a character of the New Mutants, they had died about two years before in the comics. So they kind of spread Warlock's ashes, his machine ashes, over in front of the grave, and they all kind of disperse. That was a huge storyline, and this it was important because it started to ramp up everyone coming back together for the big 1990s surge in the X-Men characters. Rob Layfield and Jim Lee were the creators and, and uh, artists at the time. They are getting ready to do something really big, which they did end up doing something big, and it was the 1990s resurge of all of the X-Men books. There ended up being, originally it was Uncanny X-Men, X-Factor, and New Mutants. And then when the 90s hit, there was about five or six other books. And at one point, there was eight or nine X-Men titles. So the X-Men storylines that I covered that happened after this, they're going to involve a lot of different titles and everything. So we'll get to that point. We, did, we as readers had no idea what was going to be in store for us in a mere three or four months after the storyline took place. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's exciting, and I'm going to be saying that a lot because in the 90s and late 80s, they always said X-sighting or X-men, whatever, to kind of tie in. I know it's corny, but that's what they did, so that's what I'm going to do. The X-men have been a favorite of mine for years, so I'm really excited to start sharing some of the X-men storylines with you. Now, as always, I'll be posting the issue covers on my Instagram, at Guy. Feel free to email me as well. 
frythecomicbookguy at gmail.com. And next week, we're going to continue with the X-Men events by doing another crossover that involved all the X-Men teams. And it was a few years after this, so there, some of the characters are there, some of them are different. It's called Executioner's Song. So we will talk to you next week with that storyline. Thank you for listening. <laughs>